So in terms of the key lessons that I got from my journey, it's really to just have your own back and to always um, never give up on yourself, right? Always invest in yourself, always believe in yourself, because at the end of the day, that's going to be what drives you forward. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Program Life Podcast, where we want our guests, listeners, and myself to learn something new. Every week, I bring in a guest who has a passion for topics related to productivity or mental health. And our guest on this episode today is Jen, who is a holistic life coach. She helps empathetic individuals fall in love with themselves so they can confidently live their lives on their own terms. She coaches women through self-doubt, perfectionism and their fears using their using her own proven mythology ultimately allowing clients to feel less stress be more present satisfied in themselves and heighten their overall quality of life jen is also the host of the find your freedom podcast which is dedicated to helping people tap into their own intuition and up level their lives So real quick, before this episode starts, if you're new here, I upload every week on Saturday morning EST as well as put out extra content on my blog such as my email newsletter and key takeaways on each podcast episode. So if you want these goodies, just head over to my website which is programlife.org. Also, it would be great if you can head over and click that subscribe or follow button on whichever platform you're using right now to listen to this podcast. It only takes a second and... You can be notified of all the great content that I provide you guys. And also, just take your time and leave a rating and review telling me what you liked most about this episode. It helps support the show and it only takes a few seconds. So, you can also follow me on Instagram, yogishprabhu2, and also the Program Life Instagram page, which is program underscore life underscore, and also my Twitter, yogishprabhu03. That's enough plugging for me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So, Jen, I'm really excited to actually have you on the podcast. Um, you're actually a, a life transformation coach and a certified personal trainer and a certified nutrition coach. You even have your own podcast, which for if other listeners want to check it out, a link will be available in the podcast description. The podcast is called Find Your Freedom. So before I get into these questions that I have for you today, I would like to first thank you, Jen, for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. No problem. All right. So for, for my first question, for over like six years, you've suffered from constant stress and burnout and depression and anxiety and a lot of other things that are pretty common in our modern society. And your life was a mess, but now you've made it to the top. And I'm sure that you'll fly higher. And whether it is small or if it's small or big, you have actually made an impact in society. So could you tell us briefly how you got to where you are now and also what are some key lessons you've learned from your journey? Yeah, so you are right. My life was kind of a mess <laughs> for a while. And for 
context, kind of like where I am now, I have my own business. Um, I started Gensway Health about three years ago while I was in college to help women create better relationships with themselves and create sustainable self-care routines. And so now I do that full-time. I'm a full-time life coach as well as um, a personal trainer. And Mm -hmm. the reason why I'm doing that now is because I went through this journey where I got to burnout um over and over and over again i had no purpose no passion like all the things um and i thought life was honestly kind of meaningless Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where i was at before i was literally on the verge of um not being here anymore i struggled a lot with suicidal ideation for many years and so going from that place where i didn't see a space for me in the future that i wanted to have and i couldn't even fathom what path I would want to take. I I didn't want to be in the corporate world. um, And I didn't know what business I wanted to create. For me, my healing journey was the answer to everything. It allowed me to see the insight into my mind, into my heart, into my soul, and to see what my mission was um, that was like soulful to me, that I felt like was authentic to me. And that's what led me to where I am now. So in terms of the key lessons, that I got from my journey, it's really to just have your own back and to always um, never give up on yourself, right? Always invest in yourself, always believe in yourself because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, that's going to be what drives you forward. Yeah. And I think like when you, when you just said about giving up on yourself and like, you know, um, easily giving up on things, it kind of relates to having a growth mindset. So I like to think a gro- um, that of, a, of the growth mindset as like thinking that everything in the world can be figured out in some way or another and like not giving up. And uh, I mean, we have like Google these days, which has the answers to most of all, most of our, our questions. And if we have other sources of information, we have like friends and family also to answer our questions. So there isn't really a reason to give up. So could you kind of delve into what your um, idea of growth of a growth mindset is and also the idea of not giving up. Yeah. I think what you said is really important to have the belief that everything is figure outable. Um, and to me, a growth mindset is really just um, accepting challenges as they come and like mm-hmm. wanting to figure them out. I think uh, when you look into the research of Carol Dweck, who is the, um, the researcher who has done the bulk of uh, the science and studies for growth mindset, uh, she always cites that she gave like 10-year-olds a test that was a little bit too challenging for them, just a little bit outside of their comfort zone. And some people, uh, some of those kids really enjoyed the challenge. They're like, oh, I like this. I like a challenge. And then other ones just kind of felt defeated, like they weren't able Mm -hmm. to do it. And so it it can start from somewhere as a as young as that and somewhere as simple as taking a test that is a little bit of stretch of your comfort level, right? So when you want to apply this to life and how you can see a growth mindset, it's having the tenacity to want to try at least, right? To just play the game, if you will. And what I see in, in clients of mine who have struggled with a fixed mindset in the past um, granted they're a little bit older than like, you know, 10, <laughs> they're in like mm-hmm. their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, even. And what happens is over the years, 
their experiences and the stories that they came up for themselves in their minds of what their experiences meant, whether it was, um, you know, going for trying to get get into a college that they really wanted to and not getting in, or whether it was dating and trying to be like in a relationship with somebody who didn't want to be in a relationship with them, or even starting a business and then failing and it not going anywhere, right? All these experiences that we've accumulated through our past and the stories that we tell ourselves of this means that we're not good enough. This means that, you know, it's not meant to be. This means that I'm ugly. This means that um, X, Y, Z, right? Like I can't do this essentially. Mm-hmm. That has, yeah. is what has accumulated to a fixed mindset. And mm-hmm. I want people to be aware that your mindset where you're currently at is, isn't necessarily all your choice. It's not like all your fault. You shouldn't blame yourself if you're in a place right now where you feel like that's all you can do because the society that you're bred in and the waters and social factors like your family, your um, friends, the school district that you went to, right? All these things that impacted your mind of thinking whether or not you're capable of achieving, right? These are things are all learned. And so when you realize that it was your mind and it was these learnings that give that gave you this default to fixed mindset, then you're able to undo that learning and then rebuild um, a growth mindset for yourself if you want to, mm-hmm. right? You have to want to choose to do that. Um, and in terms of not giving up yourself, being able to have compassion, I think is the biggest factor in your growth journey. Um, not having to be like, not being so harsh on yourself, not judging yourself. So, um, so deeply and always critiquing yourself. I think society and mm-hmm. um, especially if you're in high school or college, uh, so much of this judgment that you have towards yourself isn't even like inflicted by just yourself. It's from like parents telling you what to do with your career or for with like your life. And even like the friends that you hang out with, like they try to control these things potentially. And then the friend group that you're in or the teachers that you're in, like, you know, they're trying to influence you as well. They're all trying to make you make the quote unquote best decision. And so your own personal, um, trying to think of the word, or your own personal agency gets mm-hmm. mixed into it and gets diffused. So instead of actually having independent thought and asking yourself what you want to do and um, what, like why you want to do it, it becomes adopting other people's thoughts and feelings and what they think you should do. And you diffuse your responsibility of that to them. And that's not necessarily even on a conscious level, but notice that when this happens, you may feel disconnected from the choices that you make. You may feel like the choices that you make aren't completely yours, that um, it feels stifled. It feels constrictive. It doesn't feel expansive. It doesn't feel exciting that you're kind of almost, um, operating on autopilot. Yeah. And I think like when making decisions and stuff, just relating it, um, back to a topic that I know that you're an expert in when making decisions, all our emotions also influence, influence our decisions in life. And I think managing our emotions is also a very important thing. And, um, Focusing all our energy to manage our emotions instead of trying to control and manage the emotions of other people in our lives is probably the best way to get um, 
with uh, on with our lives and i would also like to ask how do you stop the temptation of basically managing other people's emotions and why do we care about their emotions and what they think rather than caring about our emotions and what we think about ourselves yeah that's definitely a loaded question there's a lot of components to that <laughs> yeah so i want to i want to break it down a little bit Starting with just like the last one that you managed, it reminded me of a quote from Buddhist monks that says, I am not who I think I am. I am not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Mm-hmm. So let that sink in for a second because basically what that's saying, right, is that we're, we are not necessarily who we think we are, right? We're not, and we're not necessarily trying to be some, something that somebody th- us thinks that we are. We are typically operating from a perspective that we want to be the type of person that we think somebody else wants us to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I see this to be true time and time again. doesn't matter how old you are. And it almost is like a people-pleasing thing where in society we are bred to want to fit in, right? It's the primitive brain in us. And as humans, we're social creatures, right? We want to be accepted into Mm -hmm. society. We don't want to be kicked out of the tribe because if you get kicked out of the tribe, you're probably going to starve and die, right? So it's a helpful mechanism in that sense. But nowadays you're seeing... People become more depressed, more anxious, more stressed, having panic attacks, um, not knowing what to do, uh, not being able to make their own decisions and like choose a path. Um, this obsession with like doing the right thing for themselves, or even like even I think nowadays um, the newer generations are coming in with this uh, idea of like yeah, do what you're passionate about, which is awesome, but. Their challenge is like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm, what, what my purpose is. And they have this obsession with finding this thing. And I think we need to just chill, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like, stop taking life so seriously and just have, like, more fun with it. Like, be playful with it. Um, and when it comes to managing our emotions, it is definitely the number one skill that I think anybody should learn. And I wish that you know, as children, people were taught this more often. Um, I teach from the model, which is that in life, you'll go through circumstances. And circumstances are neutral, factual, objective things that happen to you that could like hold up in the court of law. And they're, they're not your fault, right? You have zero, zero influence on it. For example, your circumstance could be that you are um, going to 20 hours of class, or whatever, right? Or you have a mom, right? Mm. And the thought, those circumstances then trigger a thought. And the thought could be something like, you know, my mom's a bitch, or she's so mean, she's so controlling. Um, It could Mm -hmm. be like, oh, I'm so stressed from school, right? And then those thoughts are what generates the emotion, it generates the feeling. And the feeling is a one word vibration in the body. And I want to really dive into this a little bit just because i think people's vocabulary for emotions have become stifled it has become reduced down to like feeling good feeling bad um feeling depressed feeling anxious feeling stressed and while or like even on the opposite side of like happy and excited but I want people to take some more time and dive deeper into what exactly they are feeling and trying to like 
create a bigger vocabulary for it. For example, instead of like being depressed, right? Um, is it just like, is it unpleasant? Is it disconnected? Is it um, feeling kind of floaty, right? Like just not, mm. not present. Um, and then on the opposite side, is it like grounded, grateful, uh, you know, expansive, all these other beautiful words that we can use to describe our emotions other than just like stressed and depressed. <laughs> I think because mm-hmm. everyone's like, I'm stressed and depressed, yeah, but not actually understanding like what is going on in their body. How are you even experiencing this emotion? And when you can um, connect with yourself on that level of actually feeling the emotions, then you have a better chance of managing them. Um, and to actually like feel them, right? Because feelings aren't nece- aren't something to be necessarily managed. Our thoughts can be managed. Our feelings are meant to be felt. Mm-hmm. So when we have these circumstances, right, that trigger thoughts, and those thoughts uh, create feelings in our bodies. These feelings then drive our actions. And when we take action from the feelings that we have that are pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, that's going to drive our results. That's going to create the result that we have. And those results are typically going to become evidence for the thought to continue to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So if we think we're really stressed, if we have the thought, I'm really stressed from school, and it creates a feeling of restriction um, of, um, and your mind's going all over the place, right? You become frazzled. The actions that you take from that might even be inaction. Inaction is an action for that line where you could be overthinking, right? And when you overthink, you're not actually doing anything. You're just in your brain going over and over and over again. Like, what if? And the worst case scenario, best case scenario, maybe best case scenario, I don't know. But you're probably just like in your head and not actually doing anything. You're thinking about all the work that you have to do. You're thinking about your to-do list. You're thinking about all the things that could go wrong, but you're not actually like allowing yourself to do Right. Or if you are doing something, you're not fully present in it, your mind somewhere else. Like if you're talking with a friend, but you're feeling frazzled and your your brain is thinking, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed, it's gonna create this cortisol and this feeling of stress in your body. And then from those actions, right, you might procrastinate because you you're like don't even want to think about it. You think you have so much to do, so you don't even want to think about it. You might overeat, you might stress eat. Right, you might not eat. You might, mm. um, you know, try to numb your emotions and, and avoid it with buffering from like drugs or entertainment or whatever it is. Right, just trying mm. everything to not feel the feeling, and then the result is going to be that you didn't do any of the work that you that you needed to do. Right, it's going to create more stress in yourself. It's going to create distrust in your in your body and in your abilities to actually like follow through with what you say you're going to do because i think a lot of people they'll be like oh like i'll do this at this time or i'll do this tomorrow whatever and then you don't do it right so every time you almost make this little promise to yourself and break it it creates distrust in yourself right so now the thought still continues right that result of now you're even more stressed is going to continue this thought of i'm so stressed because of whatever or you know i can't do anything or um you know why am i like so lazy all the time. Why do I procrastinate so much? This is why I'm like never going to be successful. Right. Mm. And it just, it creates a, a whole list of models in your mind of Mm. reasons why you can't change. It almost creates this fixed mindset. Right. Yeah. 
But if you yeah. look at that model, right, everything that's not a circumstance, you have control over. Mm. So your thoughts, yeah. you can control them, right? You, thoughts are optional. And mm-hmm. feelings are honestly the worst thing that can happen, right? With anything in life, the worst thing that can happen is a feeling, like the feeling of grief, the feeling of failure, the feeling of disappointment, the feeling of shame, of guilt, of whatever it is. That's honestly mm-hmm. the worst thing that can happen because whatever the result is, like you can you can reverse engineer that, right? Because your mm-hmm. result is within your control. Your actions are within your control. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like... Just going, just tracking back to when you said, um, like something related to being accepted or almost, uh, being accepted into society. I mm-hmm. think like being like right now, especially there's a lot of like, it's almost like imposter syndrome, but not really. It's mm-hmm. like you start almost creating a fake image of yourself, trying to be accepted in th- into the society that you're sur- surrounded by and you're not actually being yourself and you're kind of influenced by your emotions do you know do you have any like advice for that or any um any thoughts on that yeah i have a couple different perspectives on it i think what you're mentioning here right imposter syndrome is one thing imposter syndrome is more so um this phenomenon that's going on where people feel like they they don't uh, belong with where they belong like if you get a job that you think you're underqualified for, even though you got the job, you're like, you know, when are they going to find out that I don't belong here? When are they going to find out like um, that I'm actually not like very yeah. good at this, right? Um, and I think especially for students who are going to like um, prestigious colleges or whatever, like that imposter syndrome can hit there as well, where it's like, oh, like when are they going to find out that I'm not actually good enough to be here? Like, I, I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. It's kind of like mm. thoughts like that. I think what yeah. you're mentioning in terms of having to put on a face and to kind of like perform in a yeah. way, um, that is to me just a complete disconnect from yourself, right? It's mm. this, it's breeding. It's, it's bred from a few different things. I think mainly society that, um, that champions uniformity, but then also uniqueness only in certain dimensions, right? So uh, it creates inauthenticity in ourselves because what we see and what's portrayed as celebrated and what's acceptable is neurotypicalness right? Not having any mental illnesses, or if you have a mental illness, it's okay, as long as you're highly functional, right? So for me, in the past, when I had struggled a lot with um, depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation, it like wasn't really an issue because I was highly functional, right? I was having, I was getting great grades. I had friends. I was laughing Mm -hmm. on the outside, right? I was achieving in sports. I went to a great college, Right. So on the outside, it looked like I was fine. So, you know, me having depression or having anxiety, like, oh, is that really a big problem? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that actually uh, hindering you in any way? And from the outside, it might be no. For me, it was like, hell yeah, <laughs> it was impacting yeah. me. Right. But it's it's this like uh, uniqueness also where, uh, for example, people who become millionaires when they're like 20 or mm-hmm. like in their early 20s. Right. It's like they champion this type of uniqueness where they champion success at a really young age. 
So it's okay if you're normal and go into a corporate world and work at a job for 20 some years, mid-level, blue collar worker, right? That's totally normal. But if you're going to go outside of that and like become an entrepreneur or become, uh, go into a field that is lesser known, like art, or, um, you know, if you want to become a sex therapist, whatever it is, like anything Mm -hmm. taboo, even, then that's not okay anymore, right? Then there's like this preconceived judgment and notion about it that our narratives that we have been told by our parents, by society, by teachers, by friends, by even judgments that we have within ourselves. And so I think what happens is when we have internalized this judgment, we almost have microaggressions towards ourselves because it's almost like you judge other people harder for going down like a non-traditional path because you're like, oh, like how could they ever make it? When probably deep down, you have this fear for yourself and insecurity of like, well, are you going to make it in this thing? Or like, you know, if you ever did something like that, if I wanted to actually be in the art field or if I wanted to be like a dancer, right? Like I could never do that. That's not a safe career path. That's not, you know, whatever. And so it creates layers and layers and layers of defense and those layers of defense become almost like our, our shield and our personality that we um, portrayed to the outside world. It's this idea of being on stage and then having our offstage self, right? Mm, yeah. Where our offstage self is the authentic version of us that can say yeah. whatever we want to say, that can actually feel free in ourselves. But with social media being so prevalent, I don't think people are, I don't think that people are able to even like go off stage. I don't know if people yeah, yeah. Um, are understand that they can explore a different version of themselves if they just allow themselves to be bored Mm. honestly right boredom is like not a thing anymore everyone's just on their phones like the second that you're bored not even the second like the millisecond that you feel any sort of boredom or there's like less stimuli that you're used to it's like let's go on the phone let's turn on the tv let's go get something to eat let's go like talk to somebody let's go you know do something let's go make a tiktok right there's there's no room for boredom anymore and it's really sad because i think boredom is what breeds creativity and it allows us to show it allows like our minds to show itself and to show us our their thoughts and so that we can Mm -hmm. actually dive deeper into them that's why like meditation is such a key um part of being grounded for myself and for many other people and why there's so much research around it, how it's great for mindfulness, for stress reduction, for feeling content and happy in your life, for reducing blood pressure, all these wonderful things, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're just sitting with yourself. You're being present in the moment. You're practicing being in the now versus always being somewhere else in your mind. Yeah. And I guess like on the topic of boredom, like in this current era that we're living right now, there's loads of like um, sources of, I guess, algorithmic entertainment, as you mentioned, TikTok, Mm -hmm. Instagram, Snapchat, um, goes on and on. And these sources waste a lot of our time and we kind of know that. And technology is actually like diminishing our tolerance of boredom and therefore Mm -hmm. our attention span. Mm -hmm. And this means that, you know, for people in in this era, it's incredibly hard to focus on one task at a time. And we are also tempted by multitasking as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you mentioned, tolerating boredom, I guess, simple exercises like meditation and going out for a walk, 
without any like devices, just like kind of being one with the environment also really helps. And I guess moving on to more of like a deep topic, which is finding purpose in life, which mm-hmm. I find kind of confusing sometimes, but yeah. um, I would like you to, you know, kind of clear my doubts. And I guess first question would be, how do we know when we find found our purpose in life? Yeah, <laughs> this is where I think people need to be less serious, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. And I say this laughing because uh, I see purpose, like purpose should feel like loving in a way, right? It should feel, when you think of purpose and you you can imagine somebody who you feel like is living purposefully, right? It's mm-hmm. like having a pep in your step. Like even when they say walk with a purpose, right? It's like having a pep in their step, being like intentional with their actions, right? This, this air of confidence even. And what I see in my clients and in like, um, adults who are like working a job that they hate or youth who um, are in school and they are so confused about what they should do with their careers, what major to like study and all these different things. It's purpose is like such a big source of stress nowadays um, in some people. Right. And it, it's, it really doesn't have to be. So I want to shift people's mentality away from you have to find your purpose or that there's one single purpose in your life. And really think of purpose as like a, a side effect of taking intentional action and a side effect of taking action from passion. Because, uh, and, I, and I'm curious to know for yourself, like where you feel confused on passion or like feel confused on purpose. Like what about it to you is confusing or that you're unclear on? Well, like, do you think finding purpose as itself i feel like in my opinion i feel like when when it comes about with life in general i feel like it's more of a thing that's um i usually go with the flow like whatever comes up i kind of just like take it in and you know self-reflect and keep on going but like some people have this ideology of having a purpose having an aim having a goal and it's almost like Obvious, I I like the idea of having small goals, but mm-hmm. having like a certain purpose as like, you know, like finding a whole purpose to your whole life in general, mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of like, like, I don't think it's possible, but like, how do you actually like define your purpose, I guess? Yeah. So it's interesting because I, um, when I was in school, I had an incredible professor who was talking about purpose and goal setting and all these things. And one of the things that he said about purpose was that purpose is what makes goals useful, mm. right? That's like, it's, and, and we don't set goals to necessarily meet the goals because I think, again, the way that we have been conditioned to think about goal setting is that if we don't hit the goal, then we should be disappointed that something went wrong, that it's not right. Like you should always hit your goals. But mm-hmm. no, like actually the purpose of hitting goals or, or the, of creating goals, it's not to hit them, but it's to be a goal oriented person. And I think where that all comes from, the underlying theme of that is intentionality, right? Doing things from intention, setting goals with an, with an intention, which is like a winning result almost, right? So if you think of goal setting, uh, oh, and side note, I think 
having a goal of like finding your your purpose is not a great goal <laughs> just to be <laughs> totally candid because um honestly i feel like purpose is not something to be found but it's something to be created just like freedom freedom is something to be created not to be found so is happiness happiness is not to be found there's no way that you can find happiness but yeah. you create happiness within yourself because again these things are feelings right and we are gen- we generate our feelings by our thoughts if you always go back to the model right you're going to see that there's no challenge that you can't figure out there's nothing that you can't create in your life because at the end of it it's your thoughts that generate your your re- results and so if your goal here right, let's just say you do have a goal to find your purpose okay well yeah first what even is your purpose? How would you know if you found your purpose? How would you know that like, if you woke up one day that now you're a purposeful being, mm-hmm. right? That's such an abstract thing. Like tone it down a notch, right? Have some more fun with it. To me, finding your purpose is like finding the thing that makes you come alive. Mm-hmm. And I think if we look in terms of aliveness, right? What brings you joy? What makes you feel in flow? What makes you like have creativity and feel expansive and um what could you do forever like what do you enjoy doing what skills and and um passions do you have that uh serve yourself and could potentially serve the world right if you want to think in terms of the world i think uh what's awesome about this generation is that um everyone feels purpose-driven like everyone wants to make an impact on the world people are seeing like with social media, uh, you can see the problems that we have in the world and all these different things. You have knowledge at, the, at your fingertips. You can do all this research and you can really dive into a cause, right? You can, everyone has a cause, it feels mm-hmm. like, or multiple causes nowadays. And that's awesome, right? But it's only useful to us if we actually do something with it. Otherwise, it just causes causes us stress. And I see this on like my social media feed with people who are even just a few years younger than me, who uh, and my age and older, right, is that we see all these problems in the world, like gender inequality, or um, people like with stop Asian hate, people having like all these acts of violence towards the Asian community, um, with Black Lives Matter, uh, with environmental issues all these things that are going on in the world and people just like don't even know how to begin to feel that they're just such empaths and it takes such a huge toll on them Mm -hmm. but if you can just step away from that for a second and ask yourself like you know how do i actually feel about this and what do i want to do about this because Mm -hmm. again it's you can't get clarity from just thinking about it you get clarity from doing things, from taking action in any direction. And if you're so caught up in finding your purpose, quote unquote, you're not actually doing jack shit, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest. You're just yeah. sitting there thinking and thinking and ruminating and beating yourself up for not having a purpose. When in reality, if you find something that lights you up um, or finds the thing that makes you cry, right? What's something that makes you cry? To me, like thinking about animals being uh, enslaved in, um, you know, any capacity and animal agriculture where, you know, cows and chickens and pigs are all getting bred just to be murdered and Mm. to be eaten. 
right? That breaks my heart. Like thinking of animals that are in animal shelters being gassed and killed because no one's going to adopt them while breeders are making hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars, right? Every year, like that makes me infuriated and it makes me so sad. Right. For some people, it could be like starvation, like children starving in Africa or like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, any cause that you can think of. Right. The environment dying. That's a big one for me, too. Right. These are things that move me as an individual. It like wakes up my spirit and my soul and my humanity. And it's a call to me to do something about it. Right. To take some type of action, whether it's volunteering, whether it's donating, whether it's talking about it, whether it's sharing it on social media. Right. But it's taking these actions and seeing how I feel about it afterwards. Right. So think of purpose like clothes. You can't just find your purpose, right? You create your purpose and you have Mm. to understand like how it feels on your skin and you have to try it on. Right. Take some action. Like just like how we wear clothes and you go out outside and, you know, you see how it moves on your body. You see how confident you are in it. You see how other people react to it. And, you know, um, you know, is this even a style that you like? Maybe you get some more pieces of clothing. Think of that, like all the pieces of clothing, like actions that you take towards a certain cause or a certain intention, right? Your intention to serve people, your intention to be more present with yourself, right? To do the work on yourself first and then serve other people. Um, if you're able to take it like that, then you realize that life isn't about having one sole purpose. Nothing in life Mm -hmm. is so binary and so black and white like that, where, you know, one thing forever, like, no, we all know change is the only constant. So if that's Mm -hmm. the case, if you can just believe that you're going to have multiple purposes in life. And in fact, it's great if you're a multi-passionate being, because multi-passionate beings are what makes us interesting and what makes us human and what's, uh, it's what allows us to experience all that life has to offer us. So, you know, if you think you're passionate about uh, human rights, right, go do something for that. Like whether it's looking into what does a career look like in this, if it's talking to somebody, if it's volunteering again, right? Or if you think you're passionate about um, being like serving, helping people uh, through the medical scene, right? Go shadow a doctor, go shadow an OT, go shadow like a nurse practitioner or nutritionist, right? Um, If you want to be a chef, if you're passionate about food and eating, right, look into what it's like to be a food critic, like go make a YouTube channel, go make TikToks reviewing food, whatever it is. Like you have so many tools at your dispense and so many resources at your dispense that people forget to actually use them. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And just going back to when you said like, wow, like enjoying everything and having a f- having fun with yourself and having fun with the things that you're doing. And I think that's a big factor when it comes to productivity, especially um, mm-hmm. is that you actually love doing what you're doing and you're actually having fun with what you're doing. And, and it automatically motivates us as well. And we just keep going and going. If you like, if you have, f- if you're having fun with it as well. So obviously life isn't as bright as having fun with everything that you're doing. And obviously we have to do some things that are like, you know, like things that we don't yeah. like to do. So how do we like, I guess, motivate ourselves to, or oh. like push ourselves to do things like that? Yeah. I love that question because I want everyone to question what is actually necessary. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
And I wish I had come to this realization earlier, like in high school or even middle school, it would have saved me so much pain. But like, honestly, you have, as an adult, you have agency in your life. You are literally the person who is going to bear all the consequences and all the benefits of your decision, right? Mm. And I think earlier I, in, in high school and stuff, I thought things were required of me just because like I needed to do them like I needed to do well on the SAT or I needed to do well in, you know on the ACT and like grades were so important and all this stuff that I had to be you know I had to write this incredible essay or whatever other thing I put on myself and I think a discernment for people is to again reflect on how you feel about a thing how what are your thoughts about it um, in terms of like getting yourself to do things that you don't want to do, like, yes, in life, you're going to have to do things that are not so fun all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think those things that are not so fun should be in the realm of something that you want to do. It should be working towards something that you want. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, for, for me currently in my life, right. And I'll give you an example from earlier in my life too, but for me right now with my business, I want to do my business so much. I want, I want to coach people. I want to reach more people with my insights and with, you know, just help as many people as possible. I want to do that. Mm. Right. If I want yeah. a business and oh, also I want my business to be like a multi-million dollar business. Mm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that being said, if I really want that, if that's my truest desire and that feels right to me, that feels expansive, that feels authentic to me, there's a lot of steps that are going to come with that, right? And it's not always going to be the super fun, like coaching people and seeing people grow. Like there's going to be the boring or mundane tasks that uh, is the foundation of it, right? Which is sending out emails, right? Doing social media, um, actually like writing emails to people, asking them about um, their coaching or like, you know, pitching myself to corporations or businesses or individuals, mm -hmm. right? All these different things. Um, it's going to be things like brainstorming on paper. It's going to be reading books and, you know, developing myself, developing my mind. It's going to be doing a lot of inner work for myself that can actually be really, uh, you know, painful and, you know, you can get sad by looking into, you know, what's going on. You're going to have to feel all these negative emotions as well, or like quote unquote negative emotions, like failure or, you know, um, confusion or frustration. You're going to have to feel all those things, but yeah. those are all within the realm of what I want to do. Right. It's mm -hmm. under, it's still within the intentionality of doing something that I want, which is my business. What I hear people say is when they think, when they say things like, I need to, whatever follows the sentence, I need to, is probably never going to feel good when you actually do it until you shift it to, I want to. So when you say, I need to work out, I need to do work right now, I need to go to class, I need to study, I need to, um, you know, eat a salad or, you know, I need to save money, whatever these things are when you come from a place of need, it's almost like coming from a place of scarcity and of lack where, um, you know, until you do this thing or like uh, until you get to this point, you can't be happy. You can't have all these things. You can't do X, Y, Z. 
right? It's like, I need to do work and then I can do um, all these other things with my life. Or like, I need to uh, graduate from college, from a prestigious college, and then I'll be able to rest and like have a good job and like be happy and all these things. Mm -hmm. And when we're in this idea of need all the time, we don't even think about desirability and like what we actually want. It doesn't fuel us because need feels restrictive. It feels icky. It feels like like you're holding your breath and you're like, Oh my gosh, I need this thing so bad. Right. I can't wait till like, Mm. I need to do this. It's like anxious stress feeling versus when you think of the sentence I want, right. I want to whatever follows that. Like I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to do art. I want to work my business. I want to go to the gym. I want to cook for myself. Right. When we actually desire the things that um, are going to positively impact ourselves, that's where we can see real sustainable, true change. And that's where it begins to integrate um, these behaviors and these uh, mindsets into our being, right? So you can say like, I, I want to change, but from the intention of like, you know, I don't know if I can do that. And I want to do this because I kind of need to, right? That's almost like false desire, does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Like it, it's it's not the same feeling of, of really truly wanting something that lights you up, that excites you, that makes you feel alive, right? So mm. when you want it, when you're trying to get yourself to do something like study, uh, a subject that you really dislike, ask mm. yourself like if that's actually important to you. And is that going to matter to you? And I have a podcast episode on this. I have a two-part series on how to make decisions quickly and without regret. Highly recommend those. But when you go down to study a subject, ask yourself if it's actually important to you, right? Is this something that you actually enjoy? Is this going to help you move towards the direction that you want to go? Is this going to move the needle forward? And if yes, you're just going to have to like want to do it, right? Change your mindset around it. Create the thought that you want to do it. Create the thought that you want to get through it because of X, Y, Z. Remind yourself of your why you're doing it. And if something feels like, you know, you're pulling your teeth out of your mouth, it's so painful to do it. You really just don't want to do it. For me, this was like econ. Like I went into, I I studied it uh, for a business degree. I was originally in for my school and I hated it so much. I would literally fall asleep after reading like one page of the book. And I almost convinced myself that I had ADHD because I was like, I can't focus. I can't understand this. I was like failing the class. Like I literally hated every single moment of it. If you feel that level of despair, of resentment, of just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Why the hell am I doing this? Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like literally you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But mm-hmm. If that was like actually something that I could, like, if I wanted to be an economist, I'd be like, well, suck it up. Like, let me figure out all the ways that I can do this and how can I make this more fun for myself? How can I make this a little bit more enjoyable for me? Right. Then that's the path I would have taken. But instead, I dropped a class and I switched my major to health and human sciences to concentrate on psychology and health and the human body. And I was way more happy with that. Right. Mm -hmm. But just notice that you have to lean into those things. If you always think that you have to grin and bear it and you have to like, it's, if you think it's always a battle of willpower, it's not. Like that's how you drive yourself to burnout. That's how you drive yourself to being the unhappy, grumpy, middle-aged uh, person who hates their job but stays in it because it pays the bill. Because you always had, to, you just did the thing that made you unhappy 
uh, because you thought you needed to. Mm-hmm. It's not true. That's a thought. That's a belief. You don't have to believe it. Mm-hmm. If it's something yeah. that is that is uh, for a better purpose, like again, that intention behind it, then yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna just have to do it. You're gonna have to create the grit. You're gonna have to create the resilience for it. But no, you have to use your discernment of if that is truly the case or not. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I love those examples as well. And just now to wrap this episode up, I would like to ask you one last question, like I always do at the end of each episode. Mm. It is to when I relate to a topic that we've talked about earlier today, back to a favorite quote of mine. And I want to know your opinion on this quote, which links to the topic that we talked about earlier called uh, managing our emotions and not caring about what other people think of us. And the quote says, you have no responsibility to live up to what other people think you ought to accomplish. I have no responsibility to be like they expect me to be. It's their mistake, not my failing. Richard Feynman. So what is your opinion on this quote and how does it apply to your life and the work that you do? I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a great quote because um, I think it, it touches upon I think what it, when you think of the word responsibility, right, it's the ability to respond to situations. And it's interesting because when we move through life, um, we believe that we have to respond to all these different things. Like we have to respond to our parents' wishes and wants. We have to respond to our friends' needs and desires. And we have to respond to all these different things, but we don't. We don't. The only responsibility we have is to be the best steward of the of our spirits and of our hearts and of our missions that are within us. Like we are, I, I from a spiritual perspective, believe that we are all, are all put on this earth for a reason. And in order to discover that reason, you have to first understand and take the mission to discover yourself, to come home to yourself, to be, be able to befriend yourself and to know what you desire. And I think this quote hits on it of like um, being an individual in society requires you to respond to your own needs first. It requires you to take action out of what you want to do and out of what you want to be and out of what you want to accomplish. And the only way for you to actually figure out what that truly is for yourself is to take the time and use your resources to invest in yourself and your growth. Yeah, definitely. And again, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, Jen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today.